0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessing for Allah be upon you all. Welcome once again here in I'm Show. You're listening to Anika Rahman and I'm joined by Dr. Tariq Pajwa here in the studio. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Tariq
1: well, Pajwa. Peace be on you and all our listeners. Uh, it's a nice weather today, so hopefully, uh, I think uh, the weather has an impact on your mood and the mood, uh, you know. Uh, it depends, uh, you know, it, it, it does have an effect on the quality of your program. So and I, I, I yeah. hope that our listeners will enjoy our program today. It's uh, very, very important and interesting topics. I think they are day-to-day related with us as well. So we'll be discussing those today.
0: And I think as the weather is warm, so as our uh, topic today, uh, is hot topic which has dis- come up with discussion all the time and different understanding and different views and, uh, you know, how people are running today in this particular hour, we're discussing modern democracy, a political play. We'll be looking in depth that what what is modern democracy right now and what uh, how officials are running the countries, what people think about it and what's going on in in the world in different countries and how people going along with uh, the political situations in in their countries. In the second hour, as per our routine, we'll be discussing another topic, but uh, which would be existence of God. Please remain uh, tuned in with us in the second hour as well. Particular hour, you can call us uh, on 0208-687-7878 to give your you know point of view if you would like to add something, and uh, you can uh, you know visit our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk. You can tweet at voiceofislamuk. Moving back. To the topic modern democracy. If we look at the world, you know, in the world of politics, the concept of democracy is championed for being the just way of electing officials running a country. And true democracy includes opinion and choice of general public. When we look in the history, we know they used to be kings, they used they, they had to have their own say, they did what they wanted to or what they thought is right. But with a true democracy, of course, includes the opinion and choice of general public and, you know, the people who are running the country, they go through and they discuss and come up with something which is, you know, everybody uh, uh, agree on. However, the way democracy is approached differs from place to place and the level of democratic right in the country also varies with time and place. The caliph of Ahmadiyya Muslim community His Holiness Mirza Masoor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, said on one occasion. He said, and I quote, that Islam emphasizes that there should be democratic freedom and teaches that when when appointing leaders, those people should be chosen who will fulfill their responsibilities and trust with integrity. This requires them to work for the betterment of the people and the country and to discard personal interest for the sake of greater good. So is this idea of democracy truly being followed for what is it or being used for personal gain? So we need to we will be discussing this and we have to understand how democracy are working. Are they truly following, you know, this path, as the, the Khalif mentioned, that they have to, you know, discard their personal interest for the sake of better good. Are, you know, the leaders doing it? Are they, you know, are they doing what they should do? Are they taking the opinion and, you know, doing whatever they, ca- they can do for the betterment of th- of the country, of general public? So stay tuned. And, uh, you know, as we discuss the current state of democracy across the world.
1: So uh, currently we, um, you know, we are going to discuss Niger, this African nation. Yep. And that has been uh, recently in the spotlight. Um In April 2021, Mohammed Bazoum was sworn in as the president of Niger, and this is thought to have been a democratic uh, transfer of power. In late July 2023, Niger's presidency posted on Twitter, uh, which is currently called X, that there, there had been a coup attempt against the president by members of the presidential guard. They warned that the army was ready to attack should they continue their move against Bazoum. Not long after that, the president was detained. A group of soldiers came on national television announcing that the government had been overthrown. There were varying responses from neighboring countries as well as from foreign countries, as it usually happens, and the United States, France, um, EU, and UN condemned the change in power. ECOWAS also called for the release of Mohammed Bazoum. With more international players getting involved in the change of events, um, what happened was that, um, you know, the the more and more people uh, were involved and the army was, uh, you know, as army was there. The, the response from all these countries, they was that more international players were getting involved uh, and, and, and they all were saying that democracy in Niger was being, um, you know, under threat and they were discussing it. And uh, in the upcoming days, the coup leaders called for a three-year transition to democracy. ECOWAS called this uh, unacceptable and they said, we want constitutional order to be restored as soon as possible. This complex issue has uh, highlighted many failings in the political world. Uh, the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmad may Allah uh, be his helper, he said that the powerful nations take advantage of the weaker nations and dictate their own preferred policies. And so in this way, they have practically enslaved the developing countries. Sadly, the major powers take benefit and advantage of the natural resources of the poorer nations and do not give what is the due right of the weaker nations in return. Uranium has also been at the heart of the political turn. And uh, he, he further said that Africa, with the grace of Allah, has the ability to lead and guide the world. But you need to work hard and stay united to realize this potential so that instead of succumbing to... Enslavement, you are those who stand at the forefront of the world. He continued to say that it is my prayer that may Allah enable all African countries, their, their people and their governments to understand the true benefits of living together in peace, harmony and unity. It is my prayer, he further said, that they all realize that prioritizing their national interest above their personal interests are the golden keys that unlock the gates to permanent freedom and success. So efforts will need to be made in order to allow the Sahel region to prosper after many years of unrest and instability. So you are talking about, uh, you know, in the past we have seen, you know, just just for an example, Iran is one country where we saw that, uh, you know, there there had been um, a, a revolution. Uh, it enjoyed a, a democratic political landscape prior to the coup against uh, Mossadegh. Seventy years ago, the UK and US overthrew the Iranian leader Mohammad Mossadegh, who fought against British imperialism by nationalizing the BP oil company. You know, the oil is a one big power the Iran has, and of course, you know, everybody's interested in that. And although Iran was not subject to the British Empire, it was exploited for its oil by powerful nation. In an effort to keep the country in its control, BP networked with politicians, newspapers, editors, and warlords, according to a Jacobin article. Iran faced a number of instabilities, including a crisis involving Iranian nationalization. In 1952, the first coup hit the country. In August 1953, a mob turned against a nationalist, forcing Musaddiq to surrender to arrest. This has been argued to do, to be the result of British and American involvement, and it caused a divide in the public. With regards to the Gulf, His Holiness, the fourth caliph of the Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, he stated um, some solutions and he suggested, and if one Muslim nation insists on a defiant posture against the other and does not stop its aggression, then the solution is that the entire world of Islam should unite and subdue the aggressor. When the aggressor is inclined to submit itself to the divine commands based on justice, then the operation must stop forthwith and efforts be made to establish peace between the warring factions. It should be borne in mind that in the effort of reconciliation, Taqwa, that's righteousness and justice must always be kept in view. The Holy Quran admonishes once again that you must follow the principles of fairness because God loves those who are impartial. So, um, again, if talking about uh, the current head of the um, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, Talking about democracy, he said that when it comes to elections or nominations, a person should not vote automatically for his ally or party member. Rather, they should consider who is the most qualified and suitable for the task at hand. Thereafter, those who are elected and handed the keys to government or power should exercise their duties with honesty, integrity, and justice. This teaching is the model of democracy, that Islam champions,
0: Dr. Uh, Baj, One other thing, of course, we are discussing democracy here. <clears throat> even though you know, we if you go back to history of Islam, even we understand there was no democracy. But I think the system they had was so just that people are happy. And the time you know, when or, or look at these countries, especially the kings were there where people you know thought that we're not getting their rights. I think the discussion starts from there, isn't it? That why. People wanted, even you know, democracy within the country where the king was just. So you know, we will discuss this you know in depth. But I think uh, we will be having our first uh, caller soon, our first guest soon, who will be you know discussing the first topic as we're discussing about uh, you know Niger, and uh, she uh, will will ask them what was the reason, what was the you know cause of it, and. How Niger people are looking to to solve the matter, and are what what they're thinking, and we will be uh, you know getting it soon. But before that, we will go through um, one of the video or audio uh, today. But I think uh, the first guest uh, with us, so
1: we will be uh, you know taking her uh, soon. So, democracy basically, what Islam generally guides is a general principle which Islam has given. And that is that, uh, you know, uh, although it, it allows a democracy, but the institution which is the representative of, of the representative of God, that mm. is the prophet of God, uh, he's the authority. When he's there or his representative is there, mm. um, they are the ones who are the guides. And under their guidance, because they are the ones who guide according to the teachings of the Holy Quran, which is a divine guidance, so um, they are, you know, you you can get guidance from them, and under under the uh, under his guidance, there can be any system which will be effective, and as as long as justice is done and yeah. the rights of people, they are given their due rights.
0: Yeah, indeed, we'll discuss that because I think uh, after after the you know our first caller, we have Oliang Ajala with us, senior lecturer in politics and national relations at Leeds you know, back at our university. I uh, welcome uh, you on the show. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Ajala, for joining us today. We had discussed a little bit in the beginning about Niger and what's going on. Would you like to tell you, Niger has been, you know, in the news recently due to the coup. Could you tell us a little bit about, you know, the disputes in, the, in this region?
2: Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, you're right that um, Niche has been in the coup, in the news for a couple of weeks now. And um, it started on the 26th of July when um, the head of the country's uh, presidential guard seized power mm-hmm. and um, truncated democracy in the country. And um, a couple of things were said in terms of what accounted for the coup. So the, the Junta themselves... Had you that um, the reason for the military takeover was because of insecurity. Mm-hmm. They also had you that there was um, widespread corruption and that um, the economic development of the country has been slowed. But in addition to that, um, I've written extensively on this coup, and um, I, I I wrote that some of the things yeah. we also led to the coup was. Um, Uh, The rumor that there was an impending um, restructuring of the military, which then led to the seizure of the power. But since the coup happened, uh, one thing that we've noticed is um, a widespread um, demonstration in support of the Junta and against France. And this has um, resulted in the Junta um, directing France to leave the country and this happened last week when um Macron eventually decided that um, they were going to leave Niger so that's where we are now with the situation in the country
0: mhm so what impact does the situation in Niger have on you know ECOWAS the Sahel and the foreign political players
2: yeah it, it has um, a lot of implications so In time, when you look at um, geographically, Niger is um, located right at the center of the Sahel. Mm -hmm. So it has um, borders with seven other countries. So it has um, Algeria uh, in the north. Then it has um, Libya. Um, Then there is um, Chad. There is Nigeria um, and um, some other countries. So seven countries bordering Niger. But it sits right at the center of the Sahel. Uh, And then... um, in terms of um, the, the country as well, Niger, uh, France and the U.S. Um, have some of their largest bases in Niger. So the U.S., for instance, they have the largest um, drone base in Niger and um, where they, they fly most of their reconnaissance and um, attack drones from. So it's very important for uh, partners like U.S. and France And also for the EU as well, because uh, if you remember in 2015, 2016, uh, what was called the um, refugee crisis or the migrant crisis, um, many of these migrants um, transitioned through Niger and Libya into Europe. So uh, strategically, Niger is very important, not just to West Africa because of its location, but also to um, foreign actors like France, the US and the European Union.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do the people of Niger want for for, for their country? So could you please tell, like, of course, as we're discussing today, democracy and <clears throat> I think the true democracy where people, you know, will listen to people what they want. So what the people of Niger wants for, for their country now? Yeah, thank
2: you. That's a very good question. Um, an average person in Niger doesn't care about democracy. They care about um having food on their table. They care about feeding their children, they care about health care, they care about um, being able to uh, freedom of religion and being able to um, to treat their families when they are sick. Uh, and these are the things, the basic things that are lacking in this country. So I just also explain why um, people have um, uh, supported the coup. One thing that is has not been um, reported a lot in, in this country um, at the height of the migrant crisis, because of the drought that has happened in Nigeria for a very long time, mm-hmm. migration was a major source of employment for so many people. So it was, um, you know, there were tens of thousands of people traveling through Nigeria every month. So there were hundreds of drivers, there were people running hotels, there were markets. So there was already a migration economy. Uh, but when um, Nigeria in 2016 threw uh basm um Basum, president Basum, he was the inter- interior minister in 2016 so he was the one who um facilitated um this um anti um smuggling law that um drastically reduced on um, this migration so since that time the migration um element was taken away and, but there was no alternative source of employment to many of these people So many people became destitute because the only source of employment they had was taken away and nothing was given in return. So when the coup happened, um, the people, in addition to people not happy about the security situation and the economic situation, they also personally felt aggrieved about the role that um, Basum played. And then Jones had then played into this and then labelled France as public enemy number one. That's why we've seen a lot of um, anti-France sentiment and um, protest against France Mm -hmm. um, since the beginning. So the the people really um, do not really care about whether they're democracy. They just want to live um, a peaceful life and they want to be able to feed their families. So that is what is important to them. If democracy is going to guarantee this for the people of Niger, yes, they are happy to support it as... They did when the country returned to democracy about 12 years ago. But if they think if they think that um, democracy is not yielding the dividend for them, they are happy to explore other modes of governance.
0: Yeah, you're very much right. But I think uh, at the end, uh, you know, democracy is something which has to be there, isn't it? Uh, as we understand, people want somebody good on top of them who is providing everything. That regardless of whether democracy or anyone uh, on top of them. But in case of discuss, you know, moving on, uh, moving this forward, is it possible for democracy to return uh, to this nation or how can, uh, you know, this, this can be achieved?
2: Yes, it is possible uh, for democracy to return. The Junta has already um, given a timetable. Um, they said they want a three-year transition period mm-hmm. whereby they will stabilize the country and return to democracy. Uh, and when I said uh, people don't really care about democracy, uh, what it means, I'm not saying that democracy is not the best mm. form of governance for them, mm. but I just mean an average person in Nigeria, at the moment, because of their current mm. situation, they care more about any government that would promise them change. True. So even with the current junta, if they do not um, deliver within one or two years, people will clamor for something else. So they have said, yes, within three years, they would return to democracy and uh, but i i i i, I I'm one of the uh, people who've written as well if this they should be supported to return to democracy as soon as possible uh three years is a long time um hopefully um there could be a negotiated um reduction but the african union um, the echo as economic community of west African States, also have a role to play i think they need to lift the sanctions and um, 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 use other means to make sure that um, Nigeria returns to democracy um, sh- uh, sooner than three years proposed by the junta. Uh,
0: indeed, you know, very much, right? Thank you very much, Dr. Ajala, for joining us today and giving us insight. And, uh, you know, people, you know, those who are listening must have a more understanding that what's going on in Niger and, you know, what people want over there. And, of course, thank you very much for your time, for joining us today. And it was a pleasure speaking with you.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. So we were listening uh, to Dr. Alianka Ajala, who is senior lecturer in politics and international relations at Leeds Beckett University. Now we're going to move back to a discussion we were discussing where, <clears throat> you know, His Holiness Masura Masoor Ahmed, Mayor his helper, said that when it comes to elections or nominations, a person should not vote automatically for his uh, you know ally or party member, rather they should consider who is the most qualified and suitable for the task at hand. Thereafter, those who are elected and handed the keys to the government or power should exercise their duties with honesty, integrity, and justice. This teaching is the model of democracy that Islam champions. so moving on this, so we were listening to one of the audios you Know of the, the one of the Khalifa, and uh, Khalifa and he will be discussing, and we will listen from the audio that what he has to say on it and how true justice and a true democracy we, we can have uh, within our society.
3: The Quran is a holy book, is a book of wisdom, it doesn't support any such democracy at all. What it advises. Is an advice which is universal. If followed, the whole world will be a different world of, of real, a real paradise being created here on earth. Inna Allah, yamrukum an tuaddul amanate ilahaleha, vayza hakamthum bainan naste antahkumu bilad. There's two things. They make the democracy of the Quran. To give your vote is a trust of Allah. So dispense with your vote in the favor of the one whom you think is the best worthy of this vote. Not to a party, not to a principle, not to a system, but to a person whom you consider to be good and worthy of delivering justice and honesty. Once you're elected by such votes, then you do not have to go to the voters for their wishes. Then the only principle which should guide you is, whenever you decide, you decide according to absolute justice. Whenever you decide, you decide with absolute justice. (inaudible) once you come to power even the enmity prevailing between you and the people must not dissuade you from serving the cause of justice be firm in disposing things with justice no enmity should stand in the way of your disposing things with Justice If this is democracy, show me what is wrong with it. It can never go wrong. There is no party system. There is system of goodness and system of subservience to absolute justice. That is all the world world requires. If any in any country, the rulers even if they are imported from some other country, pay homage to justice and adhere to justice, people would never like them to be removed. We want the ultimate of democracy to go go in favor of absolute justice. The whole economy will improve. Everything in the in, in the government meeting will be transformed in favor of the country if they follow this rule of the Quran. That goes for democracy.
0: Welcome back after the audio. You must have listened <clears throat> how democracy can be attained, and we were discussing that you know Iran enjoyed a democratic political landscape prior to the coup against. Uh, you know, Mossadegh, uh, and how everything went. Moving on to another example, another country, uh, we'll say Turkey. And President, you know, Recep Tayyip Erdogan won the Turkish runoff elections with Kemal Kilis, uh, Duroglu as his defeated rival. He was prime minister for 2003 until becoming the president in uh, 2014. You know, Kilis uh, Duroglu said that his election was the most unjust ever. And that he would continue to be at the forefront of this struggle until democracy comes to our country. Erdogan's political, you know, legacy includes infrastructure development and healthcare inf- improvements, but is still, you know, shadowed by corruption and, you know, uh, rep- obsession. And in light of these developments, over 25 million Turks voted for K- uh, Kiladroglu with represented of coalition of six opposition parties he offered a refreshing advocacy for restoring true democracy despite this he was not free from people's security either ordogan amassed 52.18% of the vote you know the other, the other person achieved at a close 47.82% so it was very narrow very you know slight difference uh, how ordogan you know won So it is believed that media bias and limited coverage favoured Erdogan during the campaign. And, you know, his off criticized authoritarian measures included controlling courts, limiting criticism on social media and shifting to the presidential system. Moving on to Guatemala, Guatemala had its elections recently, testing the rule of law and democracy in Central America with efforts to remove the leading candidate Since, since 2018. Maria Porras has been the country's attorney general, whom the U.S. Department of State included in the list of undemocratic and corrupt officials. Bernardo Aravalo, the anti-corruption centre left candidate, has been leading his opponents, Sandra Torres. He is also the son of former president of Guatemala. Aravalo's campaign's faced legal challenges and political raids leading to protests and international concerns, and Aravalo ended up, with, ended up winning the elections. He said that he was the only candidate to combat corruption and restore the rule of law. In 2019, President Morales banished a successful unbacked anti-graft mission which had secured a string of high-profile persecutions. So democratic indicators in Guatemala worsened over eight years with a tend-forward, you know, authoritarianism. Tories was running for a third time, and, you know, the presence herself as a experienced continuity candidate. Tories shifted from, you know, centrist social democracy to conservative values, and she did not manage to defeat her opponent in this year's election. So, you know, we have discussed few countries where people thought to be uh you know, even though f- going uh you know uh going through elections and want you know democrats within the country, but most of the time which we say the people are not just the countries who are running are the dem- democratic people they are not just they are not running the countries as they should there's so much has to do you know they have to you know live for for the people and do whatever. Is good for their people, for the betterment of the people, but on the other hand, we see that most of the time the things we hear that you know the corruption is going on, the persons are suitable is involved in some things which is not you know we can call it democracy, and at the end, what happens, it impacts on the country a a leader who is not honest, a leader who who whose cabinet is you know involved in some other things definitely can cannot have uh you know a, a country running in a best manner or a people who are the who are in their country can be you know uh truly flourished and for for this we know we have discussed and we have presented few of the aspect of the the, the the khalif of ahmedia muslim association the current khalif and the khalif before that. because you know one thing which we have to understand that without true intentions you know you cannot bring a true democracy and a person you know we should, whenever we vote we should we understand whom we are going to vote to and we should not give give a vote to a person we like or to a party we like we should always think that we should be giving vote to a most qualified and most suitable person for the task and then you know we would see you know the, the if we if we, if we fulfill our duties then of course the person who get elected and those who you know get handed the keys of government and power should exercise their duties, you know, with honesty, integrity, and justice, and that's what Islam teaches, and that's what you know. Though any anyone who's following, you know, this path, indeed, you know, we see in even this world around us, they, 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 those countries are flourishing.
1: And the problem is that uh, you know, which which actually leads to corruption is when you think that. There is no one who is going, you you don't have any check over you. You are Hmm. not uh, going to be accountable by anybody and and you can do what you like. So that leads to corruption and the corruption can be on the individual level. And and then, of course, from the individual level, it goes to the top as well. And particularly if your leaders are corrupt, then the whole nation becomes corrupt. And the basic principle still there is that, you know, if you give priority to yourself, your own vested interests, yeah. that would lead to corruption, because then you you don't care, you know what happens to the other person. You are not compassionate. You are you are just uh, t- taking care of your own interests, and and that that can be on a on a country level, that can be on an individual level as well, and and that is what brings the problem. Otherwise, any system can be good if the person who is a governor, who is a ruler. He knows that he has a creator, and he, he is responsible for what he is doing, and he's going to be account. He's be, you know, he's going to be accountable. Then, of course, his attitude would change. And uh, the Islamic teachings, the very basic Islamic teachings, are that that you should you should like uh, for others what you would like for yourself. So, if if one, um, you know, if one um, thinks of you know putting. Himself into the shoes of others and see that if he was in that position, what would he expect, and and then behave accordingly. Then of course you know things change altogether. So whether you are a king, whether you are a you know president, whether you are a, um, a prime minister, it doesn't really matter. But if it is a basic uh, thing, is to to turn to the Creator, and uh, if every individual in the society turns to the Creator and and acts according to the principles and the commandments of uh, the divine guidance given by the Holy Quran, then, of course, the things become much easier. And uh, so, because, you know, Islam recommends that you should take counsel from the people, hmm. and uh, so everybody gets involved, and that's what happened, even at the time of the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that he would he would uh, take counsel. He would... Uh, you know, seek guidance. And then, of course, the decision, the final decision was made by him. But he would listen to everyone. He would listen to the opinions. And sometimes and many a times you see that he would act upon the opinion of somebody who has given an opinion. For example, in the Battle of Ditch, he acted upon the advice of Salman Farsi because um, he was more familiar with this this kind of wars, and uh, which was a new thing in, in, in Arabia at that time. And he acted upon it. And, of course, I mean, that is what saved the Muslims at that time because they were not in a position to fight um, the enemy, which was uh, so powerful at that particular time. And similarly, you see uh, his, his strategies, if you study, he was always, uh, you know, very, very intelligently. He had uh, taken counsel from people. And then he, he the, even at the Battle of Badr, Battle of Uhud, and it was, you know, you, you learn a lesson from the Battle of Ohad. That uh, he was of the opinion that they should remain in within Medina and then fight from there. But upon the given the upon uh, getting the opinion from the youngsters who were not very uh, experienced and they gave the the uh, opinion that we should go out and fight because they were. Keen to fight because they knew what reward was given or what the promises of reward was given to the, the those who participated in Badr, and they were not able to participate. So they were, you know, uh, of course, interested that we should go out and we should also have a similar credit. Um, and and then uh, the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of be upon him made that decision according to their counsel. And uh, later on, when they realized their mistake, they came back and they said that we want to take our decision back and it was our fault. And and then he said that once once uh, God's prophet, he, um, you know, takes on the um, the weapons or, uh, you know, he wears the dress of war. He does not take it. He does not go be- behind. It's against his uh, majesty. So so you see, but very clearly, you know, he always uh, got counsel from the people. So he was never a dictator. That is one thing which must be understood yeah. that we, you know, people blame that he was a dictator. He was never a dictator. He took the counsel. He, um, and even at the times when he, uh, you know, he, he, he had to make an important decision. He would, he would get people together and he, and there was establishment of Shura. Shura means that to take counsel from people. And, and then it was uh, everybody's opinion, which ma- mattered. And, and many times he also, um, you know, uh, encouraged to to have a voting, and uh, so who, what is opinion, and he would count how many how many votes are on on this particular side, and then make make decision accordingly. Although because he got the divine guidance, the, the final decision he would take according to the divine guidance and under the um, instructions and commandments of the God Almighty, and according to the Holy Quran. So today, uh, you know, the, the advice today we are we are given in Islam is that, you know, the first and foremost is is to take care of the commandments of the Holy Quran, and then following that, we follow upon the Sunnah, that is, or the practical guidance by the Holy Prophet, so, um, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and then what he has instructed and what he has guided, and which is, has been, um, you know, recorded in the books of the tradition. So um, so the solutions going forward, the Holy Quran has guided us on all aspects of the regarding governance and democracy. Uh, the Holy Quran says, says, chapter 42, verse 39, And those who hearken to their Lord and observe prayer and whose affairs are decided by mutual consultation and who spend out of what we have provided for them, his reward is with Allah. Surely he loves not the wrongdoers. So this is this is the the warning as well given by the Holy Quran that you know you should follow these procedures. You observe prayer, you seek guidance from God Almighty, and after a mutual consultation, you make a decision, and then you have trust in Allah, and He He will be with you. So justice is uh, is uh, is one of the most important things uh, the Holy Quran has uh, stressed upon, and that is the the basis of the Islamic teachings. Uh, that, you know, there should be justice because if there is no justice, that leads to wars, that leads to fighting and disorder in in any place. You see, what is happening in the world is that if, you know, the, the, the justice is also responsibility of the authority. And the authorities are the ones who who have to make sure that justice is being done. But what happens is that you know, when the policies are made, this policy is different from a different for a different country. Um, the attitude is different. You see, the same rules do not apply to everyone. Somebody gi- they are given exceptions. The countries are given exceptions when they come out, and particularly, you know, you know, in in the United Nations, um, it's, it's a very you know notorious uh, rather thing that people can veto. And the, the, who can veto? These are the big powers. And they can veto upon anything, and, they may, and then hence, uh, a poor country who, who is right, um, you know, um, and they they might not be listened to because the, these peoples, they don't want to listen to the uh, the justice being done, and that's why we have got so many problems. You see the issues of uh, Kashmir. You see many a times it has been presented in the in the court of uh, you know in in the, in the United Nations, but because you know the the, the veto power is stronger nobody listens to that and similarly the are various other palestinians rights you know who listens to that just because it is it is being vetoed for so many times and uh, um, so in order to be to progress in order to to have the governance which is uh, acceptable to everybody and which is the, it is just we have to bring justice and take out our own vested interests that is the, that is the basic principle
0: Yes, as we were discussing earlier regarding <clears throat> Islam, whenever we see, find even in the saying of the Prophet that they used to come and sit down, and they used to do, you know, consult with each other. And uh, it's a very famous one of even though it was a mosque which hasn't got a proper roof, even then they used to come and sit down and discuss what needs to be done, and then a council used to held, and the discussion was made accordingly. You know, the leaders of that time of after the holy prophet peace be upon him the caliphate the they were true caliphate and they were on the path of the holy prophet peace be upon him and we see that they were just and by the time you know the fourth caliphate it was just and people were intact and they were on the right path they were not going through so much you know uh, distress but as we are discussing until and unless, if you know, if you are just, if you are, have a good intention, regardless of your religion, you know, God is with you. God helps you. And by the time you start, you know, leaving the path of, um, you know, if you you know stop doing justice within the society or you have no have a i don't have a good intention then what happens ultimately you know the distress occurs the coup occurs as we are seeing in the country as we see in other even muslim countries where you know the, the leaders are not up to the mark and even though regardless of a western or the other countries we see that these things coming up in different shapes just because they are not you know fulfilling what they have to do they have to be just they have to be you know caring for for for, for the country Sometimes just to increase the boundaries, or just to show others that you are best. Sometimes we take others' right, and as Dr. tariq was mentioning, <clears throat> when the NATO discuss something, they come up, you know, with the uh, solution, and the poor country they were not heard. And when this comes, what happens? The people sometimes, you know, people cannot take that the decision was made which is against them, even though they were right. So people stand up and they they go against those countries, and then then so many things come up, and the countries even stand up, and to you know to stop them. Sometimes they have to take a harsh decision. The West, you know, the West or. Any country in in the world if if they are strong enough to you know st- crash or you know um stand against someone or you know uh sh, sh- show others other country those are are not empowered to show that their place what come what happens you know they end up with the war and so many innocent people die, and you know just because uh you know uh, with an un- unjust uh d- d- decision so as islam says islam didn't ask or, you know, it says, be justful, not only with your people, to just with everyone in the entire world, give their due rights to everyone, regardless where they are living. So everybody, if you know, everybody is, is just and, you know, living a life, a pious life and, uh, you know, they have a fear of God in their hearts. And you know they want better 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 for everyone, regardless of their country their people or the other countries and everybody if you live together, eventually you see you know the harmonious society you know a, a global society a harmonious society, and we don 't see that you know the war or the clashes or you know the whole discussion whenever we try to take you know a due rights or we want to want to take you know some resources of other countries or want to you know uh, get hold of some things which other countries have so as we're discussing there's so many you know natural resources resources they have especially Africa we discuss they have gold they have different mines you know there's so much there god has you know gifted them so if people are after that, eventually, you know, if they stop them, what happened? There will be a war. There will be some restrictions on them. And there was everything is stars. They will be unjust. And the people who are living sometimes, you know, those who are in authority. They have, uh, you know, knots with people who are, you know, high authority in other countries. They, you know, deals, they have a very big deals. And eventually, everything goes in their pocket rather than going everyone's pocket in the country. And what happens at the end, the nation become poorer and poorer because of the corruption. So there's so many things out there. Again, the only thing which has to be done, the country or the, you know, the the leadership has to be just, uh, just f- to themselves and you know to, to to the people, and you know have a fear of God. And definitely, if a person who's doing it, if leader, you know, they're following this step, definitely see prosperity in their country. Now um, we will listen
4: uh, to (coughs) small audio and then uh, we will be uh, right back and we'll discuss this topic further. The promised Messiah, peace be on him, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam, states, God Almighty has divided his wonderful universe into three categories. First, the world which is manifest and can be conceived through the eyes and the ears and other sensory organs directly or indirectly, with the help of instruments. Secondly, the world which is hidden and which can be understood through deductive reasoning and hypothesizing. Thirdly, the world which lies even farther than the hidden world, so hard to conceive and almost beyond the reach of imagination. Very few are those who are aware of its existence. That is an entirely obscure world which cannot be conceived through deduction, but is only imagined. One can have access to it only with the help of spiritual vision, or revelation, or word from God, and not by any other means. As is evident from the unchanging will of God, manifested in nature, one can safely deduce that as God has provided man with the apparatus to understand the first two categories of his creation mentioned above, Similarly, he must have provided man with the apparatus and instruments to conceive that world of his creation, which is mentioned under the third category. And that apparatus, as we have already mentioned, comprises spiritual vision, revelation, and the word of God. This mode of communication can never be conceived to be inoperative or to have seized altogether in any age. Nay, but those who fulfilled the prerequisite have always been gifted with this, and will continue to be gifted with the same.
0: Welcome back. Uh, we were discussing uh, modern democracy. At the end, you know, we are concluding this show. The Holy Quran, you know, guide us on all aspects of life regarding governance and democracy. And he says that those who, you know, hearken to their Lord and observe prayer, and whose affairs are decided by mutual consultation, and who spend out of what we have provided for them. His reward is with Allah, surely. He loves not the wrongdoers. You know, justice also be at the heart of leading nations. Only then can correct counselling take place on issues par, par, you know, pertaining to running a country. His Holiness explained how one should approach you know casting their democratic right to vote. He said that Islam teaches that one's affiliation to any party should not be a deciding factor in appointing a leader. Rather, those people should be elected who help the people and the country to progress further. Lack of democracy, although you know, prevalent in some of some f- form everywhere, is mostly associated with poorer nations. His Holiness explained that poorer nations must not be looked down upon. Rather, the developing nations stand on their own feet, and by giving their people opportunities and hope, we will actually be helping ourselves and Safeguarding the future of the world. In conclusion, true democracy requires the principles of justice. His Holiness Mirza Masoor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, stated For democracy to truly succeed, it is essential that democracy is accepted not just in name but also in spirit. I pray. That you succeed in helping to bring to democracy and establishing peace and human rights throughout the world, he said that if, if this principle is, you know, adhered to, peace can, you know, to peace can prevail in every nation and in its politics. So we hope that a true, you know, change become and all the leadership become justice, you know, they show just justice to their people and may all the country prosper. And now we are going to have a small break and we'll be back after
5: Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. When a hot-tempered person is provoked and punishes a child, he takes on the role of an enemy in the stress of his anger and imposes punishment far in excess of the wrong which has been done. An individual with self-respect and control over himself who is also forbearing and dignified, has the right to correct a child to a certain extent as the occasion demands or seek to guide the child. But a wrathful and hot-headed person who is easily provoked is not fit to be a guardian of children. I wish that instead of punishing children, parents would have recourse to prayer and should make it a habit to supplicate earnestly for their children for the supplications of parents on behalf of their children meet with special acceptance.
0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessing, Allah be upon you all. Welcome back after the news break. Uh, as in the previous hour, we were discussing uh democracy modern democracy and we discuss about uh, niger and uh, for that we have another guest with us you know paul melly journalist and consulting fellow africa program at you know chatham house we'll be discussing uh, a few things with paul and give taking us inside with what's uh been happening you know <clears throat> in uh you know uh in niger uh, Paul, I hope you're with me. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. And thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, I am with you. Thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, Paul, uh, starting off with the first question, uh, as you know, there was a worldwide news coverage of the coup in, in, in Niger back in July. Could you tell us a little bit about the situation there right now?
6: Well, the situation has become very difficult. Mm hmm. Before the coup, the security position was improving. The amount of violence was going down. The number of attacks by um, extremist groups, uh, were, by jihadist groups, was in decline. And there was also progress in reconciling some local community disputes that were causing a risk of violence. But since the coup, um, conditions have got much worse. There have been a lot of um, attacks, Uh, quite a lot of soldiers have been killed, Um, there was an attack just a day or two ago where at least 29 and perhaps even 60 soldiers may have died, we don't yet have the final casualty toll. And at the same time, economic conditions for the population are getting worse because ECOWAS, that is the West African bloc of countries, a bit like the equivalent of the European Union, but in West Africa, has imposed sanctions uh, to try and force the leaders of the coup to um, restore democracy. And of course, the sanctions are having a tough impact on everyday people's lives. Mm. So things are very difficult.
0: Indeed, indeed. You know, uh, Western Africa you know, has unfortunately seen quite a few coups in, in the last few years. What needs to be done so that this region can reverse it, its effects?
6: I think there are two things. One is the, each of the coups has its own what you might call local causes. So in Mali and Burkina, the army was frustrated. It felt the politicians were not giving it support in the battle against extremist armed groups, Um, but in Guinea and in Gabon, there was frustration at the way that the regimes in power were misusing the democratic system. They were cheating, if you like, on the democratic rules. Uh, In in Niger, Niger, the, the coup seems to have been motivated by internal issues within the top of the military elite, um some of them had ambitions or frustrations that um they felt that the elected president was not um shielding them if you like. That seems to be the factor. We don't know the full story. But what you can say overall, beyond all these individual local factors, is that there needs to be A recognition by the elected governments in West Africa that they need to make democracy better working, more honest. They need to stick to the rules more strictly. Uh, We've had quite a few presidents who have changed or tried to change the constitutions of their country so that they can run for an extra term of office. Uh, Sometimes we've had elections manipulated or we've had... um, members of the opposition locked up, or in, in the case of Benin, for example, the two leading opposition candidates in the last presidential election were sentenced to long jail terms. So all of these things, if you like, they undermine people's faith in democracy. When you look at the opinion polls um, for the region, the majority of people in West Africa actually are in favor of democracy. They're like the democratic system, but many of them are very frustrated with the way it gets abused. So that's probably the biggest protection against the risk of more coups is for democracy to work better.
0: Uh, indeed, you know, one of the things uh, which, of course, we are think we were seeing that sanctions, you know, are sanctions the right way to tackle such military takeovers as, as we see, and what is the solution? What do you think about it?
6: Well. But- Sanctions are very difficult because uh, if you ECOWAS, the West African group of countries, 15 countries, they have all signed up to these rules of good democracy. Then if soldiers take over in a military coup, uh, ECOWAS, of course it asks the soldiers to give up power, but when they don't do so, if it does use sanctions, as I mentioned earlier, the people who soon feel the most effect are ordinary people because they can't travel or the borders Mm -hmm. are closed or they don't get the essential food or whatever that they need or the price of things goes up so you can that you can use sanctions very briefly to cause a sort of instant impact but if you prolong it for more than a very short time it is the ordinary people who suffer and actually, it doesn't change the political situation in the country because then the soldiers in charge will tend to say our neighbours are persecuting us, and um, and it help it actually helps the people in power to prolong their their hold on power to stay in office longer. So um, sanctions are not a very effective instrument. People talk about something called targeted sanctions, which is when they impose controls on the travel or the financial assets just of the people at the top of a regime, that's different. Um, I don't think most people agree that those are, are fine because they don't affect the wider population. But the moment you have general economic sanctions, the effect is very painful and usually counterproductive. So you just have to trust long term to develop diplomacy and sometimes. Um, other um, pressures. For example, ECOWAS is threatening a military intervention. Well, it probably won't do the intervention, but just by making the preparations that may add some pressure. But the long-term answer
0: is probably just politics and diplomacy. Uh, true. You know, uh, one the thing, how can the people who are suffering the burden of this situation can be supported? Well,
6: the people who are suffering
0: basically in generally in these
6: situations are the ordinary people and and so one of the things that um, usually gets agreed quite quickly is that humanitarian aid emergency aid will continue so if there's the risk of famine for example that food is still coming in or medicines but of course even when there isn't a disaster, even when it's not um, a, an immediate humanitarian crisis, still ordinary people suffer. They, they're reporting at the moment that hundreds of trucks are stuck at the border to get in and out of Niger because of the sanctions. And of course, those trucks are carrying goods. That means jobs. It means employment. So. Um, a lot of ordinary people in Niger are are feeling the pain of this situation, and yet they're not actually in any. You know, when soldiers are in charge of your country, there isn't very much you can do about it. So, um, yes, you can protect humanitarian aid, but probably, again, the answer long term is to maintain cooperation and economic, ordinary economic relations, but to try and identify. Uh, sharp, painful political tools that will hit the new regime. For example, um, the Niger Niger sent a delegation to the United Nations General Assembly in New York, uh, but because the government was not the legitimate government, the UN refused to let them take their seats or speak in the debate. So they were humiliated. So that's quite a clever tool if you like of exerting pressure just at the level of government and the people in power and over at first they can brush it off but over time a people need the outside world and and so and they need their neighbors so over time those political tools can can be helpful but there is no easy answer
0: so, in the long term, what can help this, you know, region prosper after years of instability?
6: In the long term, you just need a plan for greater economic development, um, action to a lot of more aid to help projects to counter climate change, because this is an area which is hit very severely by climate change. You need support for social development. For example, education or clean water, um, health programs, and support for um, strengthening, you know, the day-to-day government. So the practical bit of government that delivers administration and services. And the other thing, probably, is to try and strengthen the rules of the regional bloc Ecowas to may- gradually get governments to be more compliant, if you like, with the basic principles of responsible sharing government, accountable government, if you like. That's that's probably the best defence in this sort of situation. But it's it's a slow, gradual process. There's no easy answer.
1: Hmm. This
6: is one of the this is one of the poorest areas of the world and it faces huge challenges of stability, climate change and development. So there's a lot of goodwill people have a lot of um determination and courage and they have ideas and and so but it it probably is a process that needs to be West African led because if it's just imposed by the outside world that won't have legitimacy it needs the, the leadership the leadership in tackling these challenges needs to It needs to be with the region and with the countries of the region and the peoples of the region and strengthening civil society, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, student groups, women's groups, um, civil rights groups. Those sorts of things can also help in uh, strengthening the resilience of the region.
0: Yeah, you're very much right, Um, you know, John. uh, Thank you very much for joining us today. And it's giving been a us to be with you. No, Paul, sorry, Paul Meli up. Uh, and it was a pleasure speaking with you and hope uh, we'll take you once again and having an insight. I hope things get better uh, for the people and for the country, for the entire Africa. Thank you very much for joining us. today it was a pleasure speaking with you.
6: Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks for asking. Thank you. you. Bye. Thank My you. we were listening to Paul Melli, a journalist and consulting fellow Africa program at Katham House. Now uh, we'll having a small uh, break, and then we'll be back, and we'll be discussing uh, another topic, uh, which will going to be on the existence of God. Please stay tuned with us, and we'll be right back.
5: Writings of the Promised Messiah. Ales Salam. When you stand up in prayer, you should know it for certain that your God has the power to do all that He wills. Then your prayer will be accepted and you will behold the wonders of God's power that we have beheld. Our testimony is based on seeing and is not a mere tale. How should the supplication of a person be accepted? And how should he have the courage to pray at the time of great difficulties, when according to him, he is opposed by the law of nature? Unless he believes that God has power over everything You should not be like that. Your God is one who has suspended numberless stars without any support, and who has created heaven and earth from nothing. And would you think so ill of Him as to imagine that your objective is beyond His power? Such thinking will frustrate you. Our God possesses numberless wonders, but only those observe them who become wholly His with certainty and fidelity. He does not disclose his powers to those who do not believe in his powers and are not faithful to him.
0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessing for Allah be upon you all. Welcome once again here in DriveTime. I'm sure you're listening to Aniku Rahman and I have joined by Dr. Tariq Bajwa in the Voice of Islam studio from London. Assalamu alaikum Dr. Ibrahim.
1: I hope you well. wa rahmatullah. I hope that we have got a very hot topic uh, today, mm. and uh, that's about the existence of God. Uh, I think everybody is questioning, and um, it's a good thing because people are st- at least thinking, um, they're not just believing what they you know, have been born into. And mm. um, so, th- this is uh, the current situation in the developed world that most of the people um, they are, you know, they they although they have been born in a religious family, and uh, they can say that, oh, I was born in a Christian family or a Jewish family or a Muslim family, but because they are not aware of the teaching because of the uh, lack of the practicality, people are not practicing what they believe, and uh, particularly the the churches you see in lots of churches you see there. Um, here in England, everywhere you go, you'll find a church after uh, you know, a few hundred yards. Mm-hmm. But they are empty, they are locked, they they, they are uh, being True. abandoned. And um, whereas, uh, you know, th- there are more mosques are being built in here in, in UK. In particular, we have seen in Germany, we see um, the new mosques are being built. Um, but the but general population, if you talk to them, they, I think the incidence of people who would... Um, you know, in the statistics, they would say that they have no religion or they are, they're not practicing a particular religion. That has increased quite a lot over the last few years. And uh, the the first very basic question then arises that, you know, um, is there a God? So about the existence of God, people question. And, um, um, you know, we, being vice of Islam, of course, will um, uh, present our point of view regarding this that why do we believe that there is a God and why it is important to believe that there is a God because, uh, you know, uh, and, and of course, you know, uh, we, according to the teachings of the Holy Quran, um, the Holy Quran says uh, is in a verse, uh, par- part of the verse of the Holy Quran, it says, "La ikraha that there is no compulsion in religion. And what it means is that Islam does not force upon you to accept something where your wisdom, your conscience it does not accept the truth. So it gives not only it gives you to 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 believe something but it also gives the argument the evidence and then so that you you know the, the brain you have got you can utilize that you can and 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 thats that's that's what wisdom is that you think about things and then you believe what what, uh, you know, your conscious tells you that this is right or this is wrong. And and that is why, you know, God only um, makes you accountable for the things which you can understand. And and there you have got some basis on which you have based upon your belief. So belief in God is, you know, recently it has been declining, declining especially in the Western nations, and making it essential to understand the arguments for God's existence. So, so those who believe in God, at least they should be aware of why do they believe in God. The second Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, uh, may Allah be pleased with him. He presented eight arguments for the existence of God in a speech he made, and uh, the the topic of the speech. Uh, it has been printed as Hasti Baritala. Hasti bari Ta'ala, That was um, you know long ago in 1921. Hasi uh, baritada means the existence of God, basically, and in this important uh, topic, when he discussed it, so he, he he discusses the need for belief in a supreme being before examining the the arguments. He also asserts that belief in God is necessary because God exists, uh, similar to our belief in other existing things. So everything, you know, we believe that this exists. We've got a, a reason to believe that. And similarly we should have reasons why we believe in God. And somebody who wants to investigate God's existence um, you know he, he of co- of course um, you know he will uh, reach um, to the understanding of the world and progress in various fields of knowledge uh, and this is part of your knowledge that you believe not only as you believe in the God's existence but you know why do you believe in God. The question is is not whether to investigate God's existence but to analyze it as God directs our attention through his messengers. Because, you know, if you look at the history, throughout the history, we see that the messengers from God, they have been appointed and they've claimed that they have come from God. And the first, the foremost thing they have told is that I have been appointed by God and there is a God who has appointed me. And then they give the, um, you know, with their own practical example, they become the proofs of the existence of God because when they are appointed or when they claim that they have been appointed, they are all alone. They don't have any resources. What, what they claim is that God has promised because he has appointed <laughs> them, they say that God has promised their victory. That one day, although they don't have any resources, they are poor, they apparently... People laugh at them. People ridicule them. But end of the day, they are the ones who are the successful ones. And they are they they come as victorious. So the belief in God is essential for a communion with God. That's, that's the first thing, that if you don't believe that God exists, how can you think of communion with something which doesn't exist? But that is also the most powerful proof of God because all the other proofs only take you to, to the level that there should be a god but in order to have the proof that there is or to say that there is god you need to have communion with him because once you have had communion with him you nobody can um you know argue with you that there is no god because you can say god speaks to me you know i know that he exists so to reach that you know obviously you you need to have that experience and god almighty as I said earlier, that has not forced you to believe in anything. He tells you the way how you can reach God and how can you communicate with God. And this is a stepwise guide which God Almighty has given in the Holy Quran. And if you follow that, we can reach to that stage where we can achieve um, the status where God will communicate with us. So... Looking at the, um, you know, lo- looking at the wisdom and and the arguments which have been given, uh, Hazrat uh, Khalifatul Masih the second, the second Caliph of the Promised Messiah and the ho- Holy Founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, he has written. Uh, he he delivered this lecture which has been uh, printed as, in the form of a, a book, which is called The Existence of God. Uh, he has he has uh, given. Fo- Eight arguments, and we can go through through them one by one. And uh, it is, I think, it's very important that we we have that in our mind, so that when we are uh, sort of discussing with anyone about the existence of God, we have got them on our fingertips. That these are the arguments, and what do we have, you know, in response to that? So Anik, um uh, would you start with the first argument please
0: Yes um as Dr Taibajwan has mentioned <coughs> uh, the Khalifatul Masih the second the second Khalif has mentioned the eight arguments and I think something uh, we need to listen carefully and ponder over it by the time and understand you know how you know we can find God through this and the argument which has been presented uh he has, you know, mentioned in depth and the reason is to again to understand your God. We cannot say that we don't need a God, we have everything. Whatever we have, whatever God has given, you know, there is a there is a attribute of God Almighty that this is our Rahman, you know, he, he provides people everything. But sometime, you know, if you are not, you know, following or if you do not you know, recognising Him, the you will be asked in the hereafter and. Sometimes we think that okay, there's no God, and for that we have to look around us. There's so many things we'll be discussing later on, and hopefully I will be discussing uh, that what are the other ways apart from these arguments which has been mentioned that you know, God is around us. We have to just think about it and literally sit down and think, you know, how these things are happening, how you know everything's happening in the in the world. So let's go back and coming back to the topic, uh, you know, the first argument that is given by the second caliph. Is that the God existence should be accepted because it is commonly held belief, you know, everybody believes there's a God, and somebody says in the in, in the middle, okay there's no God, which means he's saying something which is you know different than others, not because you know he hasn't experienced anything. the people who are saying there's a God they have experienced, so every nation and and on second every nation here you know, they believe in the existence of supreme being, even some prominent atheists have written that a Thing which is accepted by the entire world cannot be completely wrong, you know. It must have some reality to it. Reality to it. In this regard, the Holy Quran states, "Were in ummatin illa that you know, in every nation, you know, received a Warner or a Messenger from God. In other words, every nation has had its share of people who call it towards God Almighty, causing you know the belief in God to become you know widespread. And that, that is enough of a reason for us to hold this belief as well. If we go back to history, we find there's so many, you know, the people in history they have written. Sometimes we think whether there was a prophet in Australia when nobody knew that the people exist there, you know, there's a human out there. But if you go back to the history, we find that even their people, you know, the people over there, they had, uh, you know, belief on on God, the existence of God, and there are some things which we, when you know, the historian has digged and they found out that people used to believe in God, and it's not possible until unless God exists and He has sent someone, you know, appointed someone there as the prophet or you know as His representative and so as if we go to other countries if you go to america you know there's uh, uh, and uh, uh, there's you know the people who are living there even they you know the the message of islam reached there and they found have some you know some uh, uh writings with name of uh, saying allah the You know, God in Arabic and then some other names of the uh, Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So the people, you know, somehow the message of God reached to them. Either God sent a prophet to their nation, you know, he sent, uh, uh, appointed a caliph there. Or, you know, um, the, the, the God has, uh, through the channel, they have received a message of God Almighty. And I think this is a very, very strong uh, argument that because God exists, and this is the only reason... People living far, they had no connection. And people even didn't know uh, who is living after, you know, five or thousand, two thousand miles or uh, different countries. But we see there's one thing everybody believes. You know, some atheists did not believe it in today's age or maybe in early history, but most or majority
1: people believe that there is one God and God exists. I understand we have our guest uh, online and ours uh, uh, Imam Kashif Wick. Um, uh, welcome to Drive Time Show, uh, Imam Kashif. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be on you.
7: Uh, Assalamu alaikum.
1: How are you today?
7: Just fine. I'm good, 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 good.
1: Okay, um, uh, where are you speaking from?
7: I'm speaking from Stockholm, Sweden.
1: Wow, okay. How is the weather there? So it's are starting
7: to get some chilly and uh, cold evenings and dark outside.
1: So the weather is changing rapidly here. Okay. So I, I think the topic today we are discussing about the existence of God is is more relevant because the country you live in, I think that there is a lots of people who are, um, you know, they have converted into a, being atheists. And uh, this is a trend That's generally right. as well in the West. Why do you think that is the case?
7: So, basically, in history, religion is com- being associated with negative power and influence on people. For instance, the church has its history here, and uh, the atheism has actually spread as a uh, as a uh, revolt, or you should say a counteract, on, on the influence that the church has had and its doctrines and its power in this country. Other than that, there is also a socialism, which means that uh, there is a, uh, rely on materialistic wealth and on the state that it should solve your problems. So basically, they try to fill the, yeah, the, the, the 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 let's say the void of religion by filling it with so many other stuff. But it has left them bereft of spiritual health and and emotional health. And there is a lot of depression here as well.
1: Right. Okay. So how how can we explain the existence of God to those who do not follow any religion at all?
7: Well, first of all, we have to speak about plausibility, that uh, look at the world around us, uh, there are either two options, either the world has been created by something, or the world has always been existing. You know, if there was nothing, something cannot come about, but if, if the world is created, then the only question which remains is, is that creator conscious or is he unconscious? Religion basically tells us that during the ages, as the presenter just explained to us before my talk, that there have come certain prophets who have clearly and by signs and miracles established that God is with them and supports them. He has given prophecies about our time, which we see being fulfilled before our eyes, and also those who follow them in true spirit get to get a living relation with this God. So this conscious being that we claim has created uh, heaven and earth is actually an active being, which is uh, in in every age uh, conversing with us. The only thing we need is a spiritual eye to, or spiritual ear, let's say, to to listen to.
1: It, okay. So why do mankind need to believe and worship God if you you can live a life without this belief? You know, people say, oh, "Why? Why do I need to believe?"
7: Well, obviously, one thing should be sure that us believing in God cannot benefit God in any way. Look at the universe. If he really exists, uh, we cannot imagine that he needs our worship. Uh, on the other hand, we have a very benevolent God, we believe. Look at everything he has created for the benefit of mankind, for the benefit of animals. I mean, we look at the the earth and how much providence, uh, how much sustenance he has created for us. So we also believe that that same God, when he says that, worship me, he does it for our own benefit. And by worshiping God, as God states in his book also, the Holy Quran, that by worshiping God, we find true peace. So in, in, by establishing a relation with God and worshiping him, we are actually benefiting our own soul and fulfilling the very purpose for which it was created. So when we do that, we will find also peace in our lives. And we will also find that living God, without which we cannot complete our our spiritual being. So so actually, we we are lacking something, and that lacking we will find when we find God.
1: That's good. Okay, so some people say that science proves that there is no God. How would you answer such beliefs?
7: Well, actually, science proves the opposite, that everything has a cause and effect. Uh, so so scientific thought should actually enhance. But yes, the question is uh, that uh, science uh, nullifies the false beliefs in religion. You know, some religious doctrines are outdated, and they are actually wrong interpretation of the word of God. And that's where science came in and, and uh, rectified it. But Islam says that science uh, or, or true science is actually the, the knowledge about the action of God in words. So for, as a Muslim, when I see scientific uh, discoveries, I realize that this is actually by that same almighty God that Islam has uh, taught us about. And I can also find, if I study deeply the Holy Quran, the the, the foundation of that scientific discovery. So that is the Islamic faith, as the promised Messiah, Islam, is be upon explaining to us, that every scientific uh, uh, discovery will lead to the truth of Islam being established more and more.
1: Yeah, I was, I was just thinking of Dr. Professor Abdul Salam, the Nobel laureate from Pakistan. He uh, obviously, uh, you know, the basis on which he was uh, chosen for the Nobel Prize was that uh, it's called a unifying th- theory that right. he he reduced the four forces, the basic forces, to three. And and his attempt was that, uh, or or what you know, what his vision was that he is, uh, he was trying to make it w- prove that there is only one force in the world, so that idea he had taken from the Holy Quran, of course. So you, as a missionary serving in Sweden, how are your conversations with non-believers?
7: So actually, in in everything, when you want to convey an idea, you have to look at the receiver. What is he in need of? As I said, in Sweden, we have a lack, a lot of emotional needs and, and uh, let's say, existential needs. Mm-hmm. What, what is the meaning of everything? So when I speak to them, I try to get them to this point, that do you really believe there is a purpose in life, a purpose that is higher than yourself, that you yourself has not defined? Mm-hmm. If there is not, then uh, you should really consider what is, what is my life for? Yeah, why should I follow anything? You, uh, why should I actually? But religion teaches us, that we have been given a purpose and we yearn for that purpose. And we, when we start to tread on this path, so we'll uh, by, day by day realize the, the grandeur of life and, and that we should actually value each and every moment of life. So I try to approach it from this side and tell them that your existence has a very great cause and you should never feel that everything is in vain. Rather, it is for our very great purpose which we have been created.
1: That's great. Um, thank you. So good luck with your with your job there, and uh, uh, yeah, we've enjoyed listening to you. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, yes. yes. oh, have a nice evening. Bye. <laughs> <Walaikumsalam warahmatullahi> so that was uh, Imam Kashif Wick all the way from Sweden, and uh, he was telling us because I, I think it's the uh, the Sweden is one of those countries where we see people are going, um, you know, away from the religion, but of course with the uh, with the message of true Islam to the world, which is being spread out by uh, the Holy Founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, and now under the under His Fifth Caliph, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, under His guidance, it is being uh, given. The true message has been delivered and is being delivered um, through various resources, and one of the resources is, of course, our television station, which is MTA. And you can go on MTA. uh, Just uh, going on www.mta.tv anywhere in the world. Then the Voice of Islam, of course, the radio we represent and uh, this message is also reaching the world through the um through the internet and you can listen to that um, even in africa even on, you know far from where we are receiving the comments on on this program so uh, today's uh, of course topic very interesting topic the first argument we have discussed about the existence of god is that there is a universal belief in supreme being. If you, if you even if you go to Australia, Fiji, or the other end, you go to Canada, you go to you know America, you go to Hawaii Islands, you will find people who believe in God right from the beginning. Even even if they are not religious at all, they still believe in one God. So that is that is one argument. That why where does it come from? Because it is in your nature, and people believe that there is one God, and also at some stage there has been a messenger from Allah who has been appointed and is given this message that there is a God who is the supreme power, who is controlling all the world, and who is who is there to help you when you are in need. The second argument, of course, uh, is that there is a need for an independent being.
0: Yes, so Sometimes, you know, <coughs> people say that... Um, <coughs> If uh, God uh, has created this world, then who has created God, or how? Who is fulfilling His needs? So we'll be discussing in second argument, you know, need for independent being. You know, the second argument for uh, for this existence of God is found in the third verse of you know chapter uh, hundred twelve of the Holy Quran, which states, "Allah Samad." These words mean that Allah is the only being who is perfect. Samad is an attribute of Allah which means that he is not dependent upon anyone else for existence. And all other forms of existence are, you know, uh, dependent upon him for their existence. So proof of this argument can be found everywhere in the world. There is nothing in the world which is perfect in itself. Everything requires something else for its existence and cannot sustain itself without them. This dependency demonstrates that the world cannot sustain itself and needs a completely independent being who can run it, which is God. And we see that anything which we find around us, it's running by someone. Nothing can be done on its own. And <clears throat> God Almighty is supreme being who is running the entire world. We cannot say that, you know, the sun... Is coming on its own. Or, you know, the moon comes at night, and the rain is coming. There's so many things can we can discuss here. There's so many things going on. The nature we 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 can talk. You know, hours and hours. And what comes up? What is the you know, uh, you know conclusion? There has to be someone, and there is someone who is running all of it. And people, you know, those uh, who believe on him, those who have you know strong bond with him you know they understand and the, the, the god speaks to them and they know that god exists and everything is done here in this world is you know
1: uh, taken care by the god almighty um now you know many people they believe that uh, you know the, the the process of evolution refutes belief in a creator of the universe However, the second caliph, uh, Hazrat Meza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him, he, he has written, you know, in this lecture he, he, he delivered, he said that this process, in fact, refutes atheism. How is that? He says this is because all researchers of this field agree that everything progressed and developed and natural selection um, played its vital in the survival of the fittest until the birth of the intelligent species of man. At this point, the physical process of evolution has ended and only the progress of human understanding and intellect has continued. From the Islamic perspective, this is an excellent proof of the existence of God. If nature had been the creator of humans, then this process of evolution would have continued and human beings would have evolved into some other form of creation. It is obvious that the objective of this entire process was the birth of man. And this objective could not have been set by nature. It must have been set by a supreme intelligent being. So everything is, is sort of designed. And that's why you see that this process has reached a certain stage. And after that, it enters into a different phase like now it is just the development of intellect and that's why you know every every day you see that there is a revolution taking place in the field of uh, you know new inventions the new things which are coming uh, and development of in science is taking place and which is to the benefit or the, uh, the beneficence of mankind basically and that is why you know our our voice is reaching you um, you know and the and the um, evidence which is a uh, in the form of pictures in the form of movies you see and and every day you see that there is new progress being made in this field so evolution basically uh, is another argument that if we look at the whole process of evolution we can find we can uh, predict that there is um, there is a god who has planned this and this is happening according to his plan so that is the third argument in favor of the existence of god
0: Discussing the fourth argument, you know, cause and effect. A common argument for the existence of God is that the cause and effect. The second khalif, uh, you know, narrates that once there was a philosopher who met an illiterate, you know, in in Arab there was illiterate called, you know, Badain. Mm -hmm. The philosophers asked him, do you believe in God? He said, yes, I do. He then asked, what proofs do you have for the existence of God? And he replied a beautiful reply, simple to understand, I think the, the justify the, the, the uh, you know, perfect answer. He said, you know, excrement of a proof of the existence of camels and tracks of footsteps is a proof of the presence of a traveller. Why then is the sky full of stars and the earth full of pathways not a proof of the existence of God? You know, by just listening to this. Example: uh, The answer he has given. We should understand if if we're going to the uh, desert and you know we see the remainings of uh, uh, you know any uh, let's suppose animal and we see these you know uh, footprints of human being. Of course, we will think that people have passed from here and you know they've they walked from here. Uh, our travelers have been through here. And if by looking at the stars, by looking at the moon there's so many things coming. Of course we cannot say that there's no being behind it. If through just looking at the tracks, we think the presence of people or animal or traveler, then how come we can we, we can say that God does not exist even though seeing stars and, you know, there's so many things we can discuss here. So, you know, this is a common argument that has been given for the existence of God since ancient times, even though many allegations have been made against it. It is still essentially correct, as the Holy Quran also states, Are you in doubt concerning Allah, maker of the heavens and the earth?" So I think the simple argument God has given himself: Look at the world, look at you know the earth. Can you make it? Can anybody can make it? It's myself who is Supreme Being, and I have power to do it, and as
1: you know we see around us. Going to the fifth argument, which has been given by the second Caliph. Uh, on uh, May Allah be pleased with him. He said that it's uh, uh, actually an extension of the fourth argument, whereas in the fourth argument, the existence of God is proven based on the existence of universe. The fifth argument proves the existence of God based on the design or organization of the world. Um, there are numerous planets and stars in the universe, each with its own tasks and rules to follow. Suppose that man can uh, came into being on his own, how do we then assume that the entire world was automatically built in accordance with the needs of man? Take uh, the example of a human eye. In order for the eye to function properly, we find the presence of a sun, and how far is that sun is 159,600,000 kilometers away. Without the sun, human beings would not have been able to use their eyes for any good purpose at all. How can such a perfect order and design result from chaos? Such a vast, intricate system cannot come into existence without a supreme, all-powerful being who is the knower of the unseen. The probability of the existence of such a complex universe is so infinitely small that it would be considered virtually impossible without the existence of a designer, that is God. The same argument is is presented in the in um, the following verses of the Holy Quran. I just read the translation. Uh, they have been taken from chapter sixty seven, verse from verse two to five. Blessed is He in whose hand is the kingdom, and He has power over all things. Who has created death and life that He might try you, which of you is best in deeds? And He is the Mighty, the Most Forgiving. Who has created seven heavens in harmony. No incongruity canst thou see in the creation of the gracious God. Then look again, seest thou any flaw? Ay, look again, and yet again, thy sight will only return unto thee confused and fatigued. So this uh, this is the argument God Almighty has given very clearly that just look at the world around you. Everything is going according to, you know, whatever, you know, orbit it has been given. It is just following that. And it's so organized. And, um, you know, the the fourth caliph in his great book he has written, uh, which is called Revelation Rationality, he has mentioned that, you know, you, you can, by chance, you know, you can... Uh, of course you can say, say that things can happen. but how can you imagine that a jumbo jet is, is organized and made by you know, after a storm has come and everything, all the you know parts of it, they have joined together in a perfect order. And then to the extent that it can also fly, See, the world is running very smoothly and everything is working properly. So it cannot be just happening by chance. It has to be, there has to be an intelligent being behind it. And that is what is God Almighty. So coming to the um, sixth argument, of course, is that, you know, morality. The sixth argument, uh, it, it is mentioned in the Holy Quran, لا <laughs> Nay, I, I call to witness the day of resurrection and I do call to witness the self-accusing soul that the day of judgment is a certainty. These are uh, chapter two, uh, chapter 75, uh, verses 2 and 3. The fact that there is a conscience in every human being which causes a person to regret committing any form of evil is another strong proof of the existence of God. Otherwise, such a repulsion of evil would not have existed in his heart. Instead, he would have freely done whatever he wills. Therefore, this knowledge of good and evil has actually been placed in the hearts of men by God in order to direct their attention towards himself. See, if you see any instance, any criminal, you know, you can see that whatever he has done or to whatever extent he has reached, he knows exactly that he has done something wrong. And uh, he would admit that. At least, you know, in private, he would admit that, you know, this is this is what and he regrets doing that. So this this sense of morality, which is which is which has become a nature of a human being, it shows that it's God who has put it in him.
0: Indeed, he thinks <clears throat> never doing that thing
1: again and, you
0: know, always try to refrain from that, that definitely something in there which the stopping him to do and become a good person. Moving on to the seventh argument, which is testimony. And, you know, the, this, this, uh, this argument for the existence of God as discussed by the second khalif is that of, you know, uh, testimony this is actually something that is used to pass judgment in almost all walks of life. Whatever a person believes in and whatever he accepts to be true is based on testimony and very rarely on personal experience a large portion of different forms you know of, of knowledge such as you know medicine engineering yeah, and so on is accepted based on testimony some people experience certain things and other base their research on the testimony of such people and they accept you know and, and and if a large group of truthful pious people give testimony that they have seen a thing or found something to exist then such testimony must be accepted. You know, in <clears throat> our daily life, whatever we hear from our research, that this is, you know, uh, true, or that this happened like this, we accept that. We accept with a true understanding, yes. And similarly, we, still, we look at the world, there's so many pious people, there's so many, you know, prophets came in this world which who were who saying that they, God exists and God wants you to connect yourself to him. So if... By looking, the truthful and pious people, you know, give the testimony. We have to understand that people, they were not bluffing. Their prayer was listened. Whatever they prayed, God listened to him, And God showed sign that, yes, I am there. You know, in this case, great men like Abraham, Moses, Jesus, David, Solomon, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, all bear witness that
1: God exists. So the eighth and the final argument, well, that's the greatest argument, actually, is that, uh, you know, that um, the eighth argument is that, uh, you know, the, the, it actually draws our attention towards a new series of arguments which are related to observation, and this removes the possibility of error. And it must be remembered that Allah the Exhorted has not given us one or two or five or six arguments. He has given loads of arguments. And for the sake of the brevity, let's take just two examples. The first example is that of the attribute Al-Aziz. You know, every attribute of God Almighty is a sign, is a proof of God. And one of them is Aziz. Aziz, he has proven that whenever his messengers have come, he promised to them that it is he and his messengers who will be victorious in the end and that's what has happened and that is the existing proof. And uh, the another attribute of his is al-Mujib and that is one one can experience. Al-Mujib means that he listens to your prayers and we can find so many people around us who will give you the examples that god has communicated with them told beforehand this is what is going to happen you you pray for you are in desperation you pray for something somebody is ill somebody is sick somebody is not having children somebody you know in trouble so it's is god almighty who tells him beforehand that he will come out of this trouble or this will happen and you will find so many things so many and, and we can find the examples in the life of the holy prophet may peace be upon him his followers his companions in the life of the promised messiah the holy founder of the ahle muslim community the whole of his life he was given so much uh, you know and he prophesied beforehand that this is what is going to happen this is what he has been uh, promised by god almighty and i think that is the biggest uh, biggest uh, experience Uh, experiencing God. And if you want to experience God, you have to pray to him. And no matter what you believe, he will listen to your prayer. And that is is, uh, the biggest proof of uh, God.